everyone, and welcome to another episode of On the Turnbuckle here on mypodcasthouse.com. The music of Sasha Banks brings us in to our episode, and we'll be talking about her in our second half. If you want to subscribe, if you want to support us, please subscribe on iTunes. That'd be a great way to do it. Leave us a review; it helps us a lot. Walshy and Lyle, hello to you guys. Very good, eh, Tony? Ah, very happy, mate. Very happy. Love and so you should be weekend. too. Congratulations to the both of you on what was no, well, it definitely was on the Turnbuckle's highest rating show. We had more listens to that show last week with Lockie Hendricks than any other since we started in April last year. I just like to point something out, Tony. What? Who are my favourite two wrestlers in this country? Who's like my close personal friend Gino and my favourite? and Lockie Hendricks. Lovely. What are our highest two rating shows? Those two guys. Who has the best taste in wrestling? Me. I would have thought Lyle. Yeah. <laughs> well done. Great. It was a good interview. It, hey. it actually, I when I listened back, I forgot even some of the things we talked about. Lockie was so generous, so open. The feedback has been next level. I know someone calling it the best thing that they've heard. That's very nice to say. But um, it was just – it was all Lockie. Um that's what can happen when you get the right guest who wants to be so giving of their knowledge. And some young wrestlers messaging me as well saying that they learnt a lot about what goes into um, – what creatively it takes to go into a long-running storyline like the Cracker Jack and Lockie and the slow heel turn. Um, so people learnt a lot from it, which was um, lovely to hear. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Him going back and telling that whole creative story, the lover boy character and – you know, the stop start of it and getting some things wrong. He was, he was extremely honest. So that's if you haven't listened to it, definitely definitely listen to well, it. What's the last thing he's gonna do in Australia? Um he's gonna be gone for a significant amount of time. So we're still not let us say where he's going. He's still no selling that one. So but I'm pretty sure he'll announce that in the next week or so. Beautiful stuff. All right, time for us to head over to WA where the wrestling scene is absolutely on fire at the moment. And uh, one of their great wrestlers is Gavin McGavin, and he joins us on the line now. G'day, Gavin. How are you? I'm going well, thank you. How are you guys? Uh, fantastic. Thank you, mate. Uh, first of all, thanks for joining us. And uh, what's it like over there in Perth at the moment? Things are hotting up? Oh, I wish. Uh, today is rainy and miserable at the moment. Uh, not, not a typical Perth day, but uh, a pretty horrible one. Still be warmer than here, I'm betting. Oh, possibly a little bit hotter, but it probably looks about the same, grey and bleak. Sounds like my social life, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> now, straight into it, mate, I need to ask you, how's the how's the calf injury going, mate, that you suffered it up in Darwin? Calf injury, it's getting there. When I, uh, when I tore it, they told me that it was about six weeks, and we're about three and a half to four weeks in now. Um, so the physio's going well, progressing as expected, or even probably a little bit better than expected, getting to the stage now where I can do a bit of pool work and start to do some calf raises and whatnot, but uh, just obviously going to take it easy before I get into the whole running and jumping thing, because the last thing I want to do is tear it again and tear it worse. Uh, how, how's the uh, dry needling going as well? Those pitches don't look pretty. Oh, yeah, that's uh, that's sort of become part of my life over the last decade. I swear by it. I think it, I think it does a great job, but there's a few places where it, it hurts a bit more than others. I mean, most of us have had it in the back and the shoulder and that sort of stuff, but my last couple of injuries have seen me get it in the calf and the Achilles and the bottom of the foot, and 
those places are not too comfortable. Now, do you get a professional to do it? Because I've got a friend that bought some off eBay, and he was oh, working on his own calf and offered to do it for me. And I said, oh, that's fine, mate. Jesus, don't try this at home. <laughs> Ouch. Uh, no, myself, I, my, the physio that I go to, the where I, the physio that sponsors me, Life Ready Physio in Coburn, they, they're they qualified in it as well, so I get the massage and the, and the dry needling happening at the same place at the same time. And having a sponsorship from a physio has uh, been pretty important this year, I would have thought. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I used to brag that I'd, I'd made managed to make it 10 years through without any real significant injuries, and then... This year, just through a, a comedy of errors and some, some bad luck, I've had a, about four or five that have piled up on me, unfortunately. Uh, get them all out of the way at once. Yeah, exactly. So is that all it is, just a, a bit of bad luck? It's not the it's not the old body saying to you, hang on, you've just put me through a fair bit over the last 10 years. Let's have a bit of a break. I'm not sure. I think this last one might fall more into that category because it was just simply going to step, and as I planted my foot, my calf just gave and it tore, whereas the other ones have been... Uh, Little nothing. So uh, I got a big shine of black eye a few weeks before that. Someone dove out of the ring, and as they came through, their elbow clipped me in the eye. Uh, another time was I went to to kip into the ring, and the guardrail was too close behind the ring. So as I shot my butt backwards to go in, my butt hit the rail right in the middle and sprained my coccyx. Just ridiculous things that would never happen just because the guardrail had been left a little bit too close to the ring. And another one when I tore my my PCL, I got punched and I landed on the apron and fell to the outside on the floor like I've done mm-hmm. a thousand times before and my knee just landed on a bad angle on the ground and, and tore my PCL. So there's just a few little things that, you know, just happened through sheer bad luck. But this one was the first one where uh, it was an actual, you know, muscle tear that has probably come from neglecting a certain area of my of my, uh, of my physique or maybe possibly not quite warming up thoroughly enough before the match. But um yeah, that's, uh, it's definitely changed my approach now. I'm definitely going to be putting a lot more effort into the, the preparation in terms of getting my muscles and body right and whatnot and trying to incorporate a bit more yoga and flexibility to try and get the old muscles up and about for the sh- show day. Uh, and you mentioned earlier that the injury happened in Darwin. That was their yep. first ever show. What, what was that experience like? That was incredible. Um as soon as I found out that Darwin was having a show, I said, I'm, I'm there, count me in. Um, I was born in Darwin, uh, lived there for the first four or five years of my life and always wanted to return for, for numerous reasons, but to go there and wrestle was, was amazing. And we, we had no idea what to expect because, as you said, they've never had wrestling there before. There's nothing to compare it to. But we get there and um, meet the guys and the, the trainees are, are really hungry and really energetic and they, they want to work really, really hard. And that was fantastic to see, first of all. And they've only had, I think they only had access to a wrestling ring for a week and a half before the show. They'd been practicing down on mats down at local PCYC. That's where they'd been training. And then we get to the venue, the Brown Smart Theatre, and that was fantastic. It's, it's a smallish venue. It seats probably, you'll probably squeeze 160, 170 in there, but it's really well set up with the tiered seating on either sides and the lighting and music is fantastic quality. And, and we're all set and ready and hyped to go for the show and the, the fans just piled in and they almost sold out on the pre-solds alone on an unknown product and the crowd just, they gave us heaps. They were so energetic. They were absolutely into everything. They were up and about. The local media was right behind it. We were on the TV. We were on the, in the paper, on the radio. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's the beginning of something that's going to be a, a really, really great addition to the wrestling scene in Australia. Would love to see... A twilight wrestling event at the Darwin Ski Club. 
with the uh, with the sunset in the background and the like. There would be that'd just look amazing. Yeah, it would be. It's a uh, it's a place where you could probably safely book if you pick the right season, safely book and know you're not going to have any issues with the rain. But yeah, yeah I've always uh, I've always been a bit of a fan of the the, the outdoor wrestling venues. It's it's a bit unique, um, and Darwin would be a place you could definitely get away with it. Although, depending on the type of year, time of year, sometimes you want to be inside where the air conditioning is because it can get pretty steamy up there. And there's a bit of a EPW influence on the Darwin uh, wrestling, isn't there? Yep, yep, indeed. Um, the man, the guy running it, Brad West, uh, he was one of the original EPW founders. Um, he was a huge part of EPW. He served time there as a uh, one of the behind-the-scenes guys, as a commentator, as a wrestler, of course. Um, and when he moved up to Darwin, he, he thought, you know, I, I can't be away from wrestling, so I'm going to bring wrestling with me. And as luck ha- happens to have it, one of our former wrestlers, Leo Pratt, who used to be part of the dropkicks over here with Scotty Ryan, he'd moved to Darwin for work as well. So all of a sudden, Brad had a right-hand man, someone to help train the guys, and also a more experienced wrestler that can, can be on the cards and that can help to sort of build a bit of a roster around. So it's very much, we like to say that some of the other companies around Australia are brothers and sisters and, and whatnot are, are cousin companies, but Darwin very much is uh, the, the the little brother of EPW, I guess. Um, same sort of philosophies, same sort of training ethics, and uh, some of the same personnel as well. Any Indigenous wrestlers up there trading up? Um, I think there's a couple uh, training at the moment. Um, we were discussing some of the other uh, great Indigenous talent around Australia as well, um, who've They'd really like to try and, and get up to the region. Um, but uh, I think, yeah, I think there was a couple um, a couple of guys up there uh, that are currently in the, in the process of, of starting to train and they're in the process of still trying to recruit as well. And I think that was one of the big things that came out of holding their show is that now that everyone else saw it, they want to do it as well. Because when Brad first said, hey, I'm going to start a professional wrestling company, why don't you come on down? No one had any idea what to expect. And he said, oh, we, you know, we'll go to a PCY and we'll train on that. That might have scared people away, whereas coming down, seeing the wrestlers in their gear, seeing them in a ring, seeing the lighting and the smoke and all that sort of stuff, I think it opened a lot of people's eyes. And from what I can tell, they, they got quite a few signatures and email addresses of people that want to start up and start training as soon as they can. So I think that scene's going to grow very, very quickly. Excellent. Uh, you mentioned EPW. Obviously, you trained there at the school, uh, what, 10 years ago now? Yep, I started training in, well, actually 11 years ago now, it was April 2008 was when I first started training with EPW, and I've been training there a couple of times a week ever since. And what's it, what's it like? I know you had, uh, you mentioned on Twitter last week, I think it was, that you're pretty vocal about your, those doors always being open to everyone, and um, if you don't, it doesn't matter if you train there, you can still be booked uh, elsewhere, and if you don't like it, uh, you had a few choice words to say. I'll, uh, I'm paraphrasing. I'll yeah. check out your Twitter. You, you're pretty uh, vocal yeah. about it. Yeah, I'm. I'm pretty passionate when it comes to uh, professional wrestling, and in particular the training of professional wrestling. My, uh, my other vocation, my other career is as a teacher. I'm a primary school teacher. So when it comes to teaching and wrestling, and the teaching of wrestling, it's something I'm very, very passionate about. And I just. I'm very, very lucky that the first wrestling I came across over here was EPW because whichever wrestling I came across first, I was probably going to go to. And I happened to go to, by far and away, head and shoulders, the best and most professional organization over here. And when you're looking for a wrestling school, the things you need to look at is who are the trainers, who have they trained, and what's their track record. And EPW is just one of, if not the top in the country when it comes to that. I mean, 
we've got guys like Chris Weiss wrestling full time in Japan now, who was a hundred percent EPW product. Shane Thorne in NXT and Mikey Nichols, who was there, and they've also been to New Japan. They've also been to Pro, uh, Pro Wrestling Noah and all around the world and Ring of Honor, and they won the Proving Ground tournament. All these guys, a hundred percent homegrown EPW wrestlers, and then even guys tearing it up around the country now. Guys like Julian Ward and Taylor King that are starting to come up, EPW wrestlers, uh, Alex Kingston, Logan Gray. It just keeps going on. We've got, I believe, I believe EPW has the deepest talent pool in Australian wrestling. I believe that. There's lots of other companies that have some really good talent and they fly people in from other companies and whatnot and they and they bolster their own ranks. But in terms of how deep our talent pool goes, I think it's it's amazing. And I think that's a credit to the quality of trainers we've got. I mean, we've got Davis Storm, the guy who started wrestling in, in, in Western Australia. He's the reason that there is wrestling in Western Australia. He's one of our head trainers. Damien Slater, one of our head trainers. We've got people like Tyler Jacobs who've been doing this forever, one of our head trainers. I've been doing this for a decade, one of the head trainers, Marcus Pitt, the Don. We've got all of these guys running eight sessions a week on six different days. It's just a very, very professional outfit. And the big thing I'll say about EPW is if you get to the stage where we put you on a show, it's because you're ready. It's not because, oh, that's your three months on you go or you gave us your money on you go. Everyone knows that whether it takes six months, a year, two years, if you make it to one of our shows, we've put our stamp of approval on you and we think that you can represent the company anywhere in Australia. Do you feel like sometimes EPW doesn't get the credit from over East that it deserves? I think definitely if you go back a decade or so ago, we were considered hands down, number one across the country. I think that was definitely the case. I think part of that was down to the production values because we really led the way with that. Um, and also, EPW had sort of developed a bit of a chip on its shoulder because its it start, its beginnings weren't real great. Um, they were a bit of a laughing stock because they didn't do things the right way. And then they were lucky that people like Jag Hartley Jackson and Cole Devani from Adelaide reached out to them and said, look, if you guys want to do this, do it the right way. So we had a bunch of our core group, including Dave Storm, go over to Adelaide and train intensively and learn the right way and then since then they came back set up the EPW school and it's been going from strength to strength ever since and I think sometimes we're probably uh, a bit of a victim of distance because we're kind of out of sight out of mind um, so I think like I said the wrestling product that we're putting on is definitely up there with your PWAs and your MCWs um, in terms of the quality of the matches and the quality of the wrestlers that are coming out I think unfortunately um, being a little bit further away uh, we kind of get left out of the mix sometimes. And I think sometimes that's because you'll get guys that live in Sydney that travel back and forth to Melbourne all the time and vice versa. So there gets to be a buzz around those scenes, whereas we're kind of isolated off by ourselves. Um, so we don't, we don't have those names that are getting really big around Australia starting to, to come and, and enter our circle as well. Um, but that's not taking anything away from the companies over east. They're doing some amazing things. PWA and MCW in particular have just taken it to a whole new level. I think we lost a big core group probably about six or seven years ago of our, our originals and went through a rebuilding phase right at the time that these guys were just absolutely kicking goals. And now they're, they're really big and really successful companies. Um, I think that if fans saw our product, they would realize that we're right up there with the top. Um, and I hope that more people do through things like our Vimeo streaming system. 
Yeah, it's definitely one thing that um, we definitely lament over here is not getting to see enough of the Perth guys, the EPW guys coming to Melbourne to wrestle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's definitely a destination that myself and the others want to get to. It's, it's just tricky. You know, wrestling is a, is a business at the end of the day. And if you're a promoter in Melbourne and you're looking for, to fill a spot, you can get a wrestler from down the road and pay him a match fee. Or you can look to EPW and fly him to the other side of the country and back and pay him a match fee. And you're going to have to justify pretty strongly that you are worth that extra money to come over. And I believe that we do have guys that are worth that money. That's, that's why guys like Damien Slater and Marcus Pitt and David Storm and myself have managed to get across overseas or east, sorry, is because, you know, we're, we're showing that we are worth the money. We do bring something unique to the product. Um, but it is difficult being as isolated as we are. Having said that, though, you've done a fair bit of travelling this year already uh, with, of course, the trip up to Darwin and then a couple yep. of uh, goes over in New South Wales and in Queensland as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, um, it's been been great, the Gavin versus Australia Tour this year. Um, came to a bit of a halt through a few injuries, uh, but hoping, very much hoping to continue it on, uh, looking at lining up some East Coast dates later in on in this year um, and still really trying to, now that I've hit up Darwin, uh, the ACT is the only state or territory left on my list that I've never wrestled at. So anyone that's got a promotion there that wants to bring Gavin McGavin over to complete the whole set, uh, please contact me. Uh, but yeah, definitely keen to hit up as many places as I can. I'd love to get back to Melbourne. I wrestled at MCW several years ago uh, with my tag partner at the time, Mike Massive. Um, I was over there a few years ago and, and did a show at PCW as well. So there's a couple of companies that I'd very much like to come over and and perform for again and, and show how my game has evolved and, and how much I've evolved as a wrestler. And when, when you were in uh, Queensland earlier this year, I saw that you ran a uh, seminar as well. Um, yeah. How, how good is it when you get the opportunity to, to, to teach, you know, the way you're learning to a whole group of young people who um, have made, some of them may not even know EPW well? Yeah, um, it's it's fantastic. I I had a, a long conversation with David Storm before I went over there, and I said, look, I've got two 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 hour sessions with these guys. Obviously, I can't cram everything I've learned in ten years into these sessions. What do you think? What do you think the best thing I could teach is? You know, it's me going over to what's the best thing I could teach. And he said, well, there's two things. One, te- technical chain wrestling. You're a, you're a wizard at that, so teach that. And the other thing is the attitude that we have over here. Go over there and teach them what don't be shit means. Go there and teach them the professionalism that EPW brings to its training and try and instill that in them. And, and to their credit, that's what I saw. I saw guys turn up. There was, I know a few people complained that there weren't enough people who turned up, but I'm not fussed about the ones who didn't turn up because the ones who didn't turn up, they won't get better and they'll get left behind. The ones who turned up, they showed me that they want to get better. They showed me that they want to improve. They showed me that they want to learn. And as someone, as I said, who is a teacher, that's, that's what I absolutely love. If I get a student turn up who's keen and engaged and wants to learn, that makes my job heaps easier. And it makes it a lot more enjoyable as well. If I'm trying to drag someone kicking and screaming to improve themselves, pretty soon I'm going to leave them to their own devices. But it was, it was really good to see the turnout that I got from the guys and girls there. They're hungry. They want to improve. And if they want to improve and they keep training hard, they will. As simple as that. They'll pull away from the pack. Uh, now, you've brought up David Storm's 
name a few times, and we love him over here as a wrestler and a love human him. being. Yeah, we'll crush love on him. Uh, yeah, very man crushy <laughs> over here. Um, he's asked me to ask you a question. I don't know how this would go. He knows he's, he Ooh. thinks he's going to get into trouble for it. Um, right. There's a story about the first time you met a Robbie Eagles. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was telling this story just the other day. Um, <laughs> Before you tell the story, who's taller out of you and Robbie? Uh, me, me. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Oh, well, there you go. Nice. Yeah, uh, one of the few wrestlers in Australia that I am taller than, actually. <laughs> um, but I can't do half of what he can do in the ring, so he's got me beat there. Um, yeah, this was this was a, a big egg-on-your-face sort of moment for me. Um, Robbie Eagles came over to wrestle on an EPW show, and I was down at the factory um, training facility packing the ring up. And Chris Weiss walked in with this, this guy with him, and uh, he introduced himself, and he introduced himself as James. And I said, oh, hi, mate, how are you going? And my experience with Robbie Eagles, the only thing I'd seen of Robbie Eagles was every photo I saw, you know, the tattoos and the bandanas and flying through the ring. This guy was just wearing normal street clothes, no bandanas, might have been wearing a hat. And I just, I didn't recognize him at all. Um, and I said, oh, have you come down to check out the school? I thought that uh, Vicey had been bringing down someone to um, someone to, to check out the school and maybe think about joining up. So I've completely not even realized that it's Robbie Eagles that I'm talking to. And he just kind of looked at me blankly for a few seconds and then said, oh, uh, now I'm actually on the show. And then it twigged and <laughs> oh. I felt like an absolute dickhead. And by the time I got down to the show, uh, they'd done a pretty good job of making sure everyone else knew what I'd done. So I think for the rest of the night, everyone kept coming up and sort of going, oh, Gavin, have you met Robbie yet? <laughs> so, um, yeah, that was, uh, that was pretty embarrassing. But luckily, since then, I mean, Robbie's an absolute legend of a bloke. And since then, uh, we've, we've, we've met and we've hung out uh, more times and I've uh, wrestled and even stayed at his place on a couple of wrestling trips. So um, I, don't, I don't believe that he's held it against me. Um, but, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely a regret and something very, very silly on my behalf. You've, uh, fought Robbie Eagles. You've fought, uh, Adam Brooks. Uh, have you fought Will Ospreay? No, I haven't. That would be amazing. Um, there's, uh, so many high quality wrestlers around the world today and, you know, not many have as much buzz around them as, as Will Ospreay and geez, he's just, he's incredible to watch perform just the the intensity that he brings and he brings it out in his opponents as well. I think we're obviously very different styles in the ring, but sometimes that makes for amazing matches. So if I could, that would definitely be a, definitely be a dream match for me. Um, a few years ago, you were, you won match, EPW match of the year for a match with yep. Scotty Ryan. Um, when, when you are having a match that's obviously the crowd's connecting with on a to a point where they're voting at match of the year. Do you know that something special is happening while you're in the ring or is that something that you sort of think afterwards or take us through, you know, that match or matches like it? Um, that one, that was, yeah, I, we could tell in the moment, uh, there was one particular critical moment late in the match where I think, uh, I'd clobbered him with the belt and fell across him and covered him with the arm and he kicked out just before three and the place was as loud as I think I've ever experienced. We're both laying on our back, just breathing very, very heavily. And I could feel the ring shaking because the floor was shaking and the crowd was just so heavily invested in this match. And by this stage, we've been wrestling about 30 minutes and it was just coming to a close. And I remember thinking this, this could be, this could be probably one of the best matches I ever have. And it was, yeah, it was 
the culmination of a, a fantastic trilogy. All three of those matches, I think, polled in the match of the year uh, stakes. I was actually a bit worried that they were going to take votes away from each other and then someone else would come in and Brad Britt. But uh, <laughs> it, um, yeah, it was, you can do, I think you can. If, if, when I was when I was younger and I was wrestling, I I didn't even notice what was going on outside of the ring. I was just in there and having my match, and then I would get backstage and I'd watch it back, or someone would tell me if it was any good. But um, one of the benefits of getting a bit more experience and a bit more confident in the ring is that you can kind of soak it in and, and take those moments in, which is great because you never get them back. Even watching it back, you you can sort of remember the feeling, but if you don't stop and and take those moments in during the match, um, they're gone to you. So that was one where there's definitely a few key moments in that match that I remember just thinking, yeah, we've, we've hit a home run here. Now we have a uh, high profile pro wrestler slash school teacher on Australian TV at the minute. Mm. Uh, Are you still the best pro wrestler slash school teacher in the country? Look, I've never wrestled Matty Wahlberg. I've wrestled his mate Carter Deans. I haven't wrestled Matty Wahlberg. I would absolutely love to. It would be interesting. I mean, he's high school trained. I'm primary school trained, so we're a little bit different. He's a little bit flashy. I'm a little bit more technical. So, look, I'm going to say yeah, because I've been doing this probably about four times as long as he has. But it would be a great match. I'd love to see it. Yeah, I'd pay good money to see that. Oh, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, there was a um, company over in uh, New South Wales, FWA, I think it was, put out a poll and said, oh, who – um." what matches do you want to see? What dream matches did you want? And within the space of an hour, there was about eight or nine people who tagged Maddie and myself saying, make this match happen, make this match happen, make this match happen. So I sent a little message to the promoters and said, look, I'm, I'm keen if you are. And they said, yeah, people just won't stop messaging us. So we'll try and hopefully we'll try and figure it out one day. But uh, I think Maddie's dance card's pretty full at the moment. I'm recovering from injury, but hopefully at some stage it can happen. Well, I think definitely uh, once, once Survivor's over, you've got the connection with Harry as well. With EPW, yeah. I think that there's definitely something that needs to happen. Yeah, definitely for sure. Oh, yeah, we could have yeah. uh, we could have Gavin and Harry up against Sean and Maddie. <laughs> <laughs> that could work for sure. I think I'd be at a slight size size disadvantage, but Harry's a pretty big boy, so uh, he'll he'll, oh, yeah. he'll help with the, the heavy lifting. Just cheat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Harry does anyway. Uh, I saw, yeah. on your, saw on your Twitter that you've got a reprint of a, a, an old T-shirt with the the yellow lion and the like. Tell us the significance of the lion in your uh, in your your gig. Um, the lion came about from when I was first putting together my uh, my look and my my entrance video when I first started wrestling, and I looked at uh, Gavin McGavin and I had it written down on a piece of paper and I saw that there was three capital letters G M G. And then I just automatically thought of the MGM lion from the old movies. And then so my first merch shirt I ever made was the MGM logo, but I cut out the lion's face and put my face in there with a face like I was growling. So that sort of became, that sort of became my first logo. And then uh, one of my later logos, I had my family crest, uh, the McGavin family crest, which has a lion on it. And so, oh, the lion lion kept going along. And then um, when I transitioned into the, the real wrestler gimmick, I, I asked someone to, to make me up a logo and just, you know, I, I told them an idea of what I wanted and, and have a bit of a play with it. And that came with a British line on it. And then um, out of nowhere, a uh, one of the trainees designed something. He said, hey, I thought uh, I thought you might like this. And he the design that's on the shirt now, the, the lion face, he, um, he made that one for me. And I think I really, really like it because for me, um, the lion obviously being 
king of the jungle um, being uh, something that uh, is feared but also very proud. Um, it's a it's an animal that I've got a lot of respect for. It's an animal that I uh, that I try and identify with a lot. Um, but yeah, it's just sort of become one of those little motifs that's kept its way going down through all my merch. And uh, yeah, I think uh, and also when I started, I had the big beard and a bit longer hair, so I had that bit of the paddle pop line vibe going on. So. It's just something, something that keeps seems to be repeating in my career, and and uh, it's a logo that I really like. It's a it's a motif that I like, and I think I'm going to stick with it. Now, seriously, mate, your parents must have been taking the piss when you were born. <laughs> Donald McDonald, well, come on, it, what, what's happening? It's a family name, you see. See, McGavin, Mick, Mick, the the prefix Mick before names means son of. So it's, my name literally means Gavin, son of Gavin. So ah. if you want to be technical and look back through the history books, I think I'm technically Gavin McGavin, the uh, the fifth, I think it is. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a family name. And uh, also, if you've only got to remember one name, it's much easier to remember. Yeah, Tony, true. stop being an asshole to our listeners. <laughs> <being an asshole. laughs> Fair question. How well has yeah. he modelled that? That uh, reprint of the shirt as well. well. Did you just finish back day on that? And if I buy that shirt, is that going to make me look like that? <laughs> um, yeah, well, uh, I think there was a it was, it was probably probably just finished a, maybe a couple of sets of chin ups and, <laughs> and lats and whatnot. But uh, yeah, I, I, myself, I, I got those photos back and went, oh, it's like the back's growing a little bit. And not a, happy with and that. Not a bead of sweat either, which is great. <laughs> no, exactly. Done well. Um, I know, yeah. I know you're a massive, and EPW training school is massive on ring, ring psychology and storytelling mm-hmm. elements of wrestling. Um, do you think that's the hardest part to teach someone? I I definitely think it is, and to an extent, I think it's almost the part that sometimes you can't teach. Like I've had uh, trainees come through, and I've seen other wrestlers who can just do anything they can backflip they can front flip they can dive without fear they can hit an excellently perfect uh perfect power bomb they can throw a mean punch they can hit a massive drop kick but when it comes to putting it to a story and making it make sense and making people get involved in it it just it's it's not there like there's no actual emotional connection and i hate i hate pointing out examples but there's an example that i like to use when i'm at training um, to sort of give people an example of someone at a higher level uh, that you've seen. And I can't, I can't talk shit because this guy's made a lot more money out of wrestling than I have. But, I mean, I can remember so many amazing physical feats that Shelton Benjamin has done in wrestling matches. But I can't ever remember actually caring about one of his matches. So that guy, his skills are through the roof. Amazing. But I just, for some reason, there's just not that connection there. Whereas there are other guys like, Roddy Piper basically could punch and scratch your eyes out and, and maybe throw a suplex here and there, but I remember just caring always. I was just always so invested in what he was doing. And obviously the perfect marriage is when you can do both, um, and some people can, but for me, the people that can tell those stories and drag a crowd in and, and make people feel what they feel and, and take them on that emotional roller coaster, that's, that's the true art of professional wrestling. And Luckily for me, you know, I've learned from David Storm, who is a master at both of those things. So um, it is the hardest. It's it's one of those things that some people have ingrained in them and one another thing that some people have to work really, really hard at. Um, and then they start to kind of read it as a second language, being able to read the crowd and being able to 
build build moment. Um, that's something that another quite wise wrestler told me as well is that it's not about moves, it's about moments. So you need to create that that reason for them to bite in, for them to care, because if they don't care, it's just two guys in their underwear beating the shit out of each other. There needs to be a hook, there needs to be a reason, there needs to be stakes, there needs to be a story. Yeah, sometimes you just need to take a deep breath, slow it down, let the crowd connect. Yeah, exactly. And just just for the record, uh, Shelton Benjamin versus Shawn Michaels on Raw was the only match that I've uh, been sucked into, uh, and it's probably only Shawn Michaels' fault for for that in that anyway. Yeah, I mean that that yeah, and the only thing I re- the main thing I remember from that match was the finish. I remember the the springboard three quarters of the way across the ring straight into the super kick. Yeah, Shelton's a good uh, six guy in a ladder match. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. He was always that guy. We need someone to do something crazy on a ladder. Let's throw Shelton in there. But again, like I'd, he's made a career out of this, and he's a fantastic athlete, and and I'm sure he's got millions and millions of fans and millions and millions of dollars and that sorts of things. But just for me. I'll watch him to, to try and break down how he does things physically because there's a map, there's a heap that anyone could learn from watching his in-ring technique. Um, but yeah, just something that I, someone I'm not emotionally connected with. Um, one thing that EPW have done a lot of this year is the Academy showcases. Um, yeah. And I believe there's one this weekend. Um, what can people expect when they get down to those shows? Right, so yeah, this Friday night at Showcase Number Five, Go Time. Uh, that is our it's our buffer between training and getting to the main shows because we've got such a big roster now, and the main shows are, are a little bit limited these days. Probably about six or seven of those happening a year, so we need somewhere where we can blood those new guys and, and present them to the crowd, and also give them match experience. And the great thing about that is, is that everyone who makes it to those shows is so super hungry to impress and to improve. So when you go down there, you get to see this fantastic mix of guys having their first ever match or only six or seven months into it. And they're, they're trying new things and they're trying out new characters and they're fighting to get recognized in a, in a very, very competitive environment at the moment. Um, but as well as them, you've got other guys like uh, Marcus Pitt is making his first appearance at a showcase this weekend. He's defending the Coastal Championship. So it's not they're not filler shows. They're not house shows. These are shows where we're putting on high-quality caliber main events. So Marcus Pitt's going to be defending his Coastal Championship against a young fellow named Captain Confidence, Joel Hagen, um, who's six foot five and 250 pounds. Uh, Jesus, but he's 18 years old, and he's just super hungry, uh, super, super hungry to impress. And all of the guys and girls on these shows, they're, they're working their butt off to, to do what they can to get noticed and to stand out. I mean, you've just got to look at the promos that are coming out. Everyone's hyping up their matches. Everyone is making sure the crowd's invested in their character. Everyone's making sure they care. And the whole undercurrent running through those showcases at the moment is the Rising Star Cup. The Rising Star Cup is something that we had many years ago, and it went away for a little while. We've brought it back now, and the Rising Star Cup, is kind of like 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 the Rising Star Award in, in, in your footy. It's it's letting us know who the next big thing is going to be, who is on the horizon. And we've had a tournament running all year. We started off with eight. We've had three go through the semifinal. We've got one more semifinal match this Friday with Jessica Lambert taking on Tipanay. Um And then from there, the next show we'll have both semis. And then the final showcase of the year, those two, the two young people, guy or girl, depending on who makes it through, 
uh, are going to be main eventing that showcase. They'll be in their first ever main event and they'll get to show what they can do uh, and we'll crown a Rising Star Cup champion. Fantastic. Yeah, it certainly is. A couple of EPW questions from myself, uh, Gavin. Sure. First of all, you mentioned before about the depth that you guys have over there, and I would probably assume that uh, if any company in Australia needed depth, it would probably need to be you guys. Otherwise, it's going to be the same blokes wrestling each other week in and week out. Yeah, probably a fair point Um, because, as I said, if you're over east, if you need a fresh contender or whatnot, fly one up from from Sydney or fly one from Melbourne or or make a road trip of it. Whereas over here, that's not as doable. So we need that rotation of guys to to go through the main event scene. Um, And we've got a whole bunch of quality talent at the moment that could easily go into the main event. And we've got new guys blooding through that system uh, every show. The last show was main evented by the Don versus Gordon Gary when his first EPW championship match. if you go back, go back 18 months, I'd, I hadn't set foot in a main event. Um, people, young guys like Julian Water coming up through that way as well. I mean, if you look at the fact that our tag division has people like Logan Gray, Alex Kingston, Marcus Pitt, and Damien Slater, I mean, that's four huge main eventers, former EPW champions in the tag division. Um, and we've still got a main event scene un- above that as well. Um, and particularly with guys like Mikey Nichols back in town and David Storm getting the boots back on again. Uh, it's a super, super deep roster that we've got Bobby Marshall returning as well. It's, um, it's, it's going to be hard for, for people to, to take spots away from those guys, but I love going down to training each week and, and seeing these guys that want to take those spots. And I love even more going to the showcases and, and watching people literally fighting for these spots, putting their hand up and saying, me, I'm next. The other great thing about that isolation, I suppose, from being so far away from the East is that it also gives you a little bit of purity around your storytelling, doesn't it? Over here in, in the Eastern cities, you know, blokes working for different com- uh, companies and the like, and you can get a little bit of a blurred line between the storytelling. But over at your end, because you guys are just working for the one company, just doing the one thing, you get that, that very pure storytelling happening. Yeah, yeah. It's something that I, I strongly appreciate. Um, there's a few people over here that will wrestle for a couple of different companies and, you know, they'll get booed at one and cheered at the other or they'll have a different tag partner at one. And it, it, for me, it's it kind of, as, a, as an audience member, it kind of sucks me out of it. Whereas if someone commits to who they are and what they are and you can see that every time they step through the curtain, you know what to expect and they're the same. Um, yeah, you can, you can start to build relationships with those characters and with those wrestlers. Um, so I've always been a, a big fan of, of committing to one thing and, and being who you are. I mean, I think if you get yourself over at one company by being a certain way and then another company wants to bring you in, I mean, that's that's what they want then. If that's what they that's what they saw and that's what they noticed, then have enough uh, have enough pride in what you've created to stick to your guns and say, this is what I am, this is what I'm going to be and this is where I, where I want to do it. Now, EPO, EPW has their big show on the 31st of of this month, um, Hello High Water. You've got a big match against Gorgeous Gary, obviously, and EPW has a big guest coming over as well. Uh, yeah, huge guest. TJ Perkins, who I personally consider, and I think just about everyone does, is the best pure technical wrestler in the world. The guy is incredible. I've just I've, I've managed to spend a few minutes in the ring with him a few years ago when he came down as part of Lucha Baboom and toured with the Big Day Out. I had a tag match against him, and the guy is just 
he's like lightning. He just moves so smooth and so quick. He's just absolutely flawless. His footwork is incredible. And the fact that he's taking on Damien Slater for the first time ever in a singles match, it's going to, it's, it's going to blow people's minds. It's going to be a backstage sellout for sure. And it's hopefully going to be a sellout at gate one as well, because that's, if you like, as I like to say, real wrestling, if you love real wrestling, that is a match that you want to watch. I mean, and that's, that's not even the entire card. I mean, you've got TJ Perkins coming to, uh, coming to Perth for the first time ever for that match. We've got four quarterfinals for the Invitational Tournament this year. As you said, myself and Gorgeous Gary, um, that's a rematch from a couple of months ago, and he managed to sneak one past me, so I'm very, very keen to, uh, to right that wrong. Um, and then at the top of the card, um, again, mentioning his name, I suppose it's hard to talk about EPW without him, but David Storm returning to the main event scene to take on Don Michael Morleonian. That one uh, for the EPW Championship is going to be something pretty incredible because if there's something that both of those guys have in common, it's they don't go down without a fight and they put on matches and fights that are so intense and so engaging that the crowd can barely pull themselves out of their seat by the time they leave. They feel like they've gone through it with them. Um, so this card is going to be absolutely stacked top to bottom. Um, tag title match as well. It's going to be one of the biggest shows EPW has ever put on, and I hope that the fans come out in absolute force, play, absolutely pack that place out and give TJ a rousing reception when he comes in because if we want more internationals, people say, you know, why not Perth? Why not Queensland? These sorts of things when touring companies come or when wrestlers come. If you want to see those people come to, to, to Perth, then when one does, get off your ass, buy a ticket and come to the show. That's all I can say. If you want to see internationals come to Perth, then when, come, when one comes here, buy a ticket and come and watch them. Because if it's a massive success, EPW is probably going to bring someone else. It's as simple as that. And TJP and Slater, I mean, that could have happened on the WWE Network a couple of years ago. They were in the same tournament. So it's yeah. a real opportunity to see two of the best guys in the world go at it. Yeah. When, um, when Slater went over there, that was the match I think a lot of the wrestlers in Australia were hoping to see. That was, if we were dream fantasy booking, that was the final we wanted to see. We wanted to see Slater go all the way, obviously, um, but if he was going to face someone, uh, we wanted to see him against TJ Perkins because it would just be a, a phenomenal match. And I mean, Damien Slater's been over to the United States a few times and, and learnt from TJ Perkins. They, it's kind of like a, a student mentor sort of relationship between the two of them. Um, their styles are pretty similar. They're both amazing technicians, and I'm very, very much looking forward to watching this match. She's nearly considered flying over just to see it. I know. Yeah, do it. But we just might. We just might. Uh, <laughs> uh, for yourself, mate, you've uh, from reading you, your bio and, and what you've won, you seem to have won everything that's pretty much been available to you. In, uh, in the scene over there in Perth. When you come back from injury, uh, how do you set, reset your goals? Um, so the goal at the moment is the, the Rising Star oh, Sorry, not the Rising Star Cup. Uh, the Rising Star Cup is one that eluded me when I was younger. Um, but the Invitational Tournament, that is my focus. Um, so hopefully win through it, hell or high water, go on to reawakening, and whoever wins at reawakening is going to have to pull double duty because the semis and main are, and the semis and the final in the one night. Um, that's a really prestigious one. It's the longest running tournament in Australian wrestling. Um, it was a trophy that was contested for on EPW's very first ever show, Awakening, on November 4th back in 2001. Um, and there's a massive list of names on there of people I heavily respect and people that I want to follow in the footsteps of. And in EPW, that's, that's it. That's the one 
trophy, the one prize that I have not claimed. Uh, and the best thing about it is that whoever holds that trophy, they've got a guaranteed title shot uh, for a title of their choosing whenever they want. Um, and I've been pretty vocal about the fact that I want to get my EPW championship back and in doing so become the first ever triple-double champion in EPW history. Uh, so that is that is definitely me, definitely my immediate goal to win that invitational tournament and then uh, go on to the EPW championship. From there, um, really solidify myself as the the top guy in EPW. Um, it took me a long time to get up towards the main event um, and I stayed there for a while and then uh, through a few injuries and, and through losing that title, obviously I, I slipped down a peg or two, um, but I feel like I'm, I'm still hitting my stride and in the best form of my life. So I really want to get back up there and, and really make a dent in the main event scene and in the history books in EPW. Now, we've got a couple of listener questions that have uh, come, sure. come through on Twitter. Um, I've got one from Kevin Chiat, which is right. asking you about being chopped by Don's son at Gold Rush. Oh, goodness me. Yeah, that little fella and I, we've had a few run-ins. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, he's a, he was not, wasn't a big fan of me after I won the title off of his dad in the cage match, and um, he used to give me plenty of plenty of stick from the, from the audience and uh, he was doing a little fortnight loser dance at me at a showcase <laughs> uh, not not too long before the um, not too long before the show so I thought you know fair's fair if he wants to get in my face I'll get in his and in Truma Gavin form I lent right in front of him and flipped the bird to a five year old boy right in his face and <laughs> but uh, he, he looked a little bit mortified uh, as his mother was as well I think um but then when the when the match came about, Gold Rush, uh, Don and I, unfortunately, those refs that tend to be a bit fragile and one of them was knocked out for a while and Don and I brought our way through the crowd and Don pinned my arms behind my back and all of a sudden little Austin comes storming up the aisleway and reels back and chops me with his little hand. <laughs> and it wouldn't have been too bad, but he managed to hit me right on the nipple of a little bastard and he was lining up to get me with another one as well. But uh, yeah, I think, he, I think he was quite chuffed with that. Um, a few days after that, he, he posted, well, the Don posted on behalf of Austin a little video of uh, him holding Don's now EPW championship. Said, "Hey, McGavin, check this out!" and flipped the bird back at me and held up his dad's title with a big smile on his face. Little bastard. Cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think he won that one, but I'll get him. Hopefully, hopefully in a few years he starts training and I can have a match with him and get him come up. And you got one, Lol? Yeah, uh, from E Fanger eighty on Twitter. He, he asked about the name Gavin McGavin, which Tony already asked, and we got yep. a pretty good answer with that one. Uh, he also wants to know, what is one thing you think would help the Aussie scene that isn't already happening? Well, oh, that's hard, because if you start from the bottom, and that is, start from the bottom, that's training. That's happening, um, because there's amazing schools all across Australia at the moment. Over here, you've got EPW. Um, over in New South Wales, you've got... PWA as well as Newcastle Pro. I mean, they've got Quack Week happening there at the moment where I think there's 50 wrestlers from around Australia have all descended upon uh, New South Wales. Which is amazing. To train to train with Mike Quackenbush. I went over and trained with Mike last time he was over here and we did three 10-hour days in a row and it was just phenomenal. And I credit a lot of my sharp rise once I got home to things that I learned both in ring and and psych- psychologically uh, from that training session. So anyone that goes there is going to get just an absolute masterclass. I mean, MCW has got their own academy now. Um, lots of places are really starting to do the training thing right. So I think 
that's a big tick. We're heading in the right direction with that. Um, production levels on shows are amazing. Um, we're getting the content out there now through live streaming and through video streaming set, uh, networks and whatnot. Um, the promotion's really, really good. Uh, look, I think it's all heading in the right direction. Obviously, the big thing we need is more and more people to know about us. So mainstream media attention is the one. I mean, if if we could crack... Uh, we could crack onto a, a, a TV network or something like that, or get some actual um, online. Uh, uh, what's what I'm looking for? If we can get some some TV exposure, and if we had you know Saturday wrestling, maybe a rotational show from one from each state uh, once a once a month, something like that, to to really show off the product. I think that would that would really, really help. But I mean, there's so many people doing such amazing things for the Australian scene. The success of uh, guys like Robbie Eagles and Adam Brooks. And Joan Rock and everyone else um, uh, that are going overseas and absolutely killing it is drawing a lot of eyes to Australia. So, I mean, the training's going great. The production's great. The quality of the matches are great. The promotion's great. Everyone's really lifting their game in terms of the professionalism. It's, it's, there are, there are professional wrestlers in Australia now. And I say professional in terms of that's their full time job. You know, if you go back 10 years, that's, unheard of you know there was a lot of people with their their week job and then on the weekend they make a bit of cash from wrestling but there's a whole bunch of people and their job is professional wrestler that's what they do um and because of that the quality is absolutely through the roof so just anything and everything we can do to get more and more people's eyes on the product which will hopefully end up with more and more people in the crowds um that's probably the the biggest thing that I can see going forward, but I don't think it's a thing that we need to do. I think it's a thing that we already are doing and just hopefully it will continue to do. Fantastic stuff, mate. We really do appreciate you joining us. If uh, everyone wants to follow you on the socials, how can they do that? Um, to find me um, on Facebook, you've got Gavin McGavin. On Instagram, it's at Real Wrestling AUS. And welcome back to part two of On the Turnbuckle this week. Good interview there, boys. Gavin McGavin, look for, I really do look forward to seeing him wrestle. Yeah, hopefully he comes over a little bit more you know, to the eastern side of the country, like he said, and you know, selfishly to Melbourne. We're going to have to take this on tour, aren't we, on the Turnbuckle? 100%. Well, we've already decided. I think we're going to go to – because we're going to PWA this year. I think next year, WA. Yeah. And maybe Adelaide. Yep. And then Queensland. We'll, we'll get around. New Japan. Um, I'm going there – in January. Yeah. Anyone oh, going no, to WWE? I'm, I'm no. going to WWE. <laughs> oh, you are? Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, right. we'll take it there. So it's <laughs> happening. It's mentioned it. Uh, the music of Buddy Murphy joining us. And, uh, of course, Buddy Murphy would have been uh, a big part of NXT takeover, but he is now very much entrenched in uh, what is happening in WWE. Yeah, he's in a big storyline at the moment, which we'll get to. Um did you guys watch NXT TakeOver? I did. Definitely, definitely did. Uh, I no. I, uh, <laughs> I um, absolutely loved the Candice LeRae and Io Shirai match. Um, I think Io Shirai is one of the best wrestlers in the world. And the way she's switched from the – a lot of people question when she switched from babyface because she's such a, a great babyface. But there aren't a lot of great heel – wrestlers in that women's division and she's gone in and 
absolutely taken her performance to another level. Um, like her new outfit's fantastic. She just looks like a million dollars, and yeah, she's she's got everything. Yeah, that that match, I'd I'd put that in the top five of my favorite takeover matches this year. Yeah, and you know, without listing all the and the rest are all Johnny Gargano. Matches. Well, obviously for yourself, they they definitely are. But you know that that list, if you put the top five of just takeovers, forget WWE uh, pay per views and stuff like that. You know that you know Candice is you know she's almost played a little bit of second fiddle to Johnny Gargano's storyline for the long for most of the time she's been there. She's been Mrs. It's, Wrestling. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So this is like her coming out party for the you know. For the rest of the wrestling fans, I think, and yeah, phenomenal match, great storytelling. Yeah, I think it was the best women's match I've seen this year. I've got to say, out of the four nights wrestling that we'll be doing in Chicago when we head over there, myself and my son, in NXT War Games is probably nearly the night that I'm really looking forward to more than anything. That'll be the best show you see, uh, with, oh, without a doubt, just based on the talent that's yeah. here at the moment. As a two-hour, two and a half hour. Live show with that plus, hot of crowd. Plus, they record an episode or two of NXT at the same time, so you'll get you'll get four hours of wrestling probably that night, and um, just yeah, and that War Games match is always very spectacular as well. Yeah, that, that'll definitely pull out. What did you think of the Gargano and Adam Cole match? Give it all the stars. Give it all. Give it all. Give the it stars. all. I, I know you watched it live and you were raving about it without giving. Away too many spoilers, which was good. And I watched it back uh, later that afternoon. And yeah, that Gargano, he's he's on another level. I know he doesn't wrestle all the time, you know, body breaking down and stuff like that. And he is a big match wrestler. Now, did it look like to you that it was a bit of a farewell from NXT for Johnny? I think with Regal coming out, and from all reports, that wasn't a planned thing. That was Regal just uh, doing that because he felt like that. What the moment deserved, yeah, it was, it was re- really touching. Yeah, and obviously we're not going to forget Adam Cole. He's one of the best as He's well. Sensational. Yeah, the, the, you know, it was interesting. I wasn't too sure with the deliberate DQ in the first fall. I was unsure how it would play, and then yeah, obviously I always like that spot. You know, yeah, like because he, that's what he I showed, would do. He did fight. <laughs> You do it in a different way than Gargano did. He obviously he just snapped, um, you know, and um, yeah, oh, yeah, it was it was amazing. WWE introductions have become fairly mundane recently. They're pretty much all the same, a bit of different music and some lights on the light. But I don't think I've been enthralled as enthralled for an introduction since probably the first time I saw the Undertaker's introduction, uh, other than Bray White's Fiend introduction. That was amazing. Well, you know, I think The Undertaker's overrated. <laughs> and that's a joke, that. actually. It isn't, but continue. As a worker. Not his entrance, obviously. His entrance is goose, goose pumping. Um, yeah, phenomenal, oh, wasn't it? Great. Yeah, just the camera work, the cuts, the they reworked the music, um, the mask, everything. The lantern, which yeah, is oh, the lantern severed with head. The, you know, Bray White's severed head. Perfect. Perfection. The whole, Entrance. the whole reintroduction of Bray Wyatt uh, from the start of Firefly Funhouse, where some people were questioning, what's this crap? Because um, no one likes to be patient. Uh, the, the slow build, then the introduction of The Fiend slowly, 
He started attacking people. The use of the mandible claw as his finisher, which I think is a nice little shout back to Mick Foley's Mankind, the darker Mankind character. Yeah, the boiler um, room. The, you know, the mask, the use of a mask. Um, it was perfection. And to have what's essentially a squash match result in a crowd chanting, this is awesome, you've done something right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the whole segment was perfection. Uh, what do we think of SummerSlam, boys? I liked it. Um, I liked the length of SummerSlam. I thought that they've listened to the crowd a little bit. They had a little bit more on the pre-show things that on a big four pay-per-view usually would have taken up time like Edge coming out. Like that's usually on the main card where he comes out, someone comes out and interrupts Elias. I liked that that was moved to the pre-show um, and it meant that the, the main show was over in three and a half hours and all singles matches. Yeah, I think someone's mentioned on Twitter, you know, first time ever. There was no multi-man, no tags, no three-ways. So, yeah, just all single matches. Um, yeah, I thought it was good. I haven't watched some of the lesser matches. Obviously, a bit time poor. Lesser matches. Lot of Do you want to announce who they were? Or? No, definitely. I've already said enough about The Undertaker <laughs> this uh, episode. Um, you know, but, yeah, like, you know, you got the AJ and, and Ricochet. Um uh-huh. You know, how many times have we seen it? I sort I, of, I think AJ's is off a step at the moment. Yeah, I'm hoping the storyline with the the uh, the BC or the OC. Let's talk about Trish Stratus. She's still got it. Oh yes. If, if you want I'm to talk re- about her wrestling, no, Tony. no, but 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 her as well as a just as a personality, and she was definitely a presence. There's no doubt about that. She held her own against Charlotte. That was match of the night for me. Yeah. Um, incredible. If if you're going to have a last wrestling match and that's the standard you set, that's a high bar. Oh, and yeah. I don't want yeah. it to be your last match. I think there's three matches in that series leading yeah. into WrestleMania yeah, if they want to do it. And she's still relative. She's only 41. Any chance they could do match two at Survivor Series? But that's what it would have that. to. That's what it would have to be yeah. if they were going to do a three match series. Um, I don't think they're going to do it. I think Trish is pretty keen on it being a one time only. But she was amazing. Um, and I'm a massive Edge fan, so seeing him, hearing his music and seeing him come out, um, that was the biggest pop of the night. Yeah. That was on the pre-show. Lovely little promo, too, from WWE about uh, Trish and all the media that she was doing just prior to the event. I think it was sort of just with the bay in the background of the line. She, yeah, it was just a a, a well-worked thing. Well done. Good one on that one. Uh, The G1, guys, concludes in spectacular fashion. Yes, definitely. Uh, He had the... Let's and go to our G1 reporter line. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the uh, Kota Ibushi beat Okada for the A block yeah. uh, semi final. And Jay White, you know, heel, you know, you'd, lo- you'd love it. Uh, well, she defeated uh, Naito in the B block f- uh, semi final. So then uh, it was Monday night after SummerSlam. So I had to watch SummerSlam at a different time after, after work. And. Ibushi defeated Jay White in an amazing, amazing final. Jay White's heel work has gone through the roof. Um, Kota Ibushi's probably the prettiest wrestler in the world, and his storytelling is also um, the prettiest as well. It was it was amazing. There's a lot of other stuff that happened that. Oh night yeah, definitely, that I definitely. I just about. want to get that out there. Um, obviously, we had Kenta. 
turning his back on the LA Dojo and joining Hideo, the Bullet, Hideo Itami. Yeah, joining the Bullet Club, which I think is a smart move because as a baby face. Oh, he plays arsehole well. Yeah, but I think because his body is so broken down, you know, he had a lot of complications with surgeries and stuff in WWE and NXT. Um, It wasn't the old Kenda that, you know, the hardcore fans were expecting to come in, you know, the, the hard kicks, you know, which he's still doing. But I think as a heel, can hide that a little bit. You know, he's got a lot of miles on that body. Um, so that was good. And then obviously the very extremely emotional part of it was Shibata returning uh, to get physical. Um, if you don't know, he he was meant to never. We we're meant to never see Shibata again. Yeah, were we? ne- never wrestle again. Obviously, he's been in LA just for the New Japan Dojo training everyone. Um, which obviously the talent coming out of there has been amazing. Um, so yeah, and he he quite possibly could have died. Uh, being severely dehydrated after a 25, 30 minute match and giving the hardest shoot headbutts I've ever heard. It was sickening at the time. Uh, in 2017, and then finished the match and collapsed backstage with bleeding on the brain and a little bit of paralysis in one side of his body at the time. And, yeah, very close to – could have died. Um, From all reports, never going to wrestle ever again. And little leaves the door open. There's still no reports he's going to. Um, So then, obviously, the Bullet Club beat him up and they protected him. But very emotional. I was actually off the couch. How mm. many how many phones did you you were live tweeting the show? How many phones did you go through for water damage because of the tears that you were shedding during the show? Well, I've gone through a few phones over the last couple of years, so you're no an emotional can, guy. Yeah, emotional, and I'm very clumsy when it comes to phones. Now, are we going to see a rematch of Robbie Eagles and Will Osprey in possibly San Francisco or possibly in Los Angeles? Uh, quite possibly, no. it could happen. But, I don't think it will. I think they'll tell the Bullet Club EP, ELP story, but they are tagging in the UK. Um, and speaking of Will Ospreay, I think it was on Sunday night, he had a match against Tanahashi, the ace, and it was a passing of the torch moment. And that... We thanked him. Yeah. It was nice. Yeah, well, it was amazing. You know, Tanahashi... Four cheers. Yeah. Well, yeah, I... Wrestling can bring out the good emotions in myself. Uh, and that right there was the passing of the torch, and it solidified myself as Will Ospreay is the best wrestler in the world right now. Massive shout-out to Robbie Eagles as well, who's been announced for the Super J Cup. Yes. Um, wrestling ELP in the first round, which is nice. Is going to be that, That's the story they're telling, and um, I'm, I, those two could wrestle three or four more times. Yep. Yeah, a little bit of revenge coming ELP's way, I think. An amazing red versus Will Ospreay in the first round, which Will's been asking for. Nice of New Japan to give him that Yeah, match. he's basically booked that match himself, which is yeah, credit to him. Sasha Banks returning on Raw. Yes, I thought it was uh, really well played. Um, she's got a new look. Looks great. Nice hair. Um, got a great... Smackdown hair. Bonds yeah. from the crowd. There was a creepy guy in the front row that... Uh, <laughs> Hi, babe. You're looking great, babe. I uh, love you. Yeah. Love you, babe. Dude, you're on mic. Like, that, be a be a grown up. That, that's at every wrestling show, though, isn't it? Um, but yeah, she's she's turned heel, and heel Sasha is the best Sasha. Yeah, I think it worked well with Natty. Obviously, you know, speaking of her father at the same time. Obviously, you got to counteract in the sling. Yeah, counteract the initial shock pop that's going to be a baby face, and by the end of it, 
This is the feud that Becky Lynch's title reign desperately, desperately needs. Yes. Everybody has their best match against Sasha Banks. So having her back is only going to – like I want to see those two feud for probably six months through to WrestleMania. Um, then Sasha probably go after Bailey. I like it. Um, but it made me think of something, which is oh, Jesus. Those, re- those return pops. Um, WWE should be trying to manufacture them more often. Like – there's no reason why wrestlers should be wrestling 12 months a year. They've got such a deep roster. Why not give everyone a month off a year or two months off a year? Stagger it. The only month everyone needs to work is April, maybe, for WrestleMania. But then you've always got, and you're always managing these return pops, keeping characters fresh. Um, no one should wrestle two weeks in a row. Now You wrestle one week, the next week you're on for a promo. You're rotating your roster more. You're keeping them happy. Um, wrestling then looks like a sport. Like if I, then if you do wrestle two weeks in a row, the commentators can sell that. That's a big deal. Like he wrestled last week. Now he's wrestling again. Like what toll is that taking on his body? You know, these are things that um, I'd like to see them try to do to, to, to use their roster. Yeah. Well, there's no, like you said, the, 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 uh, the rosters are so big now, but it's also the talent is there as well. It's not like people are just clogging up. Collecting a paycheck, the talent. A couple are. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's always going to happen. Um, but there's enough talent there to do that. And they used a stone cold, shitty promo and a page one that was filmed, I don't know, like on Skype, it was on delayed. They could manufacture those for a Randy Orton sitting beside his pool and he could, you know, there's no need for him to go on the road. Um, you know, Randy Orton's probably a poor excuse. He's part time anyway. But, you know, the other guy. Like an AJ who's in his, um, in his mid forties. Yeah. Like that'd be something that could keep him happy and wrestling longer because he's spending more time with his family. Yeah. And I think, you know, say the, you know, the, the OC are out there and he hasn't been on TV for three or four weeks and he makes a surprise. That's good for the live crowd because they think they've actually seen something and someone watching it live on TV. Well, you want to tune every week because you don't know what's going to happen. Everyone's going home from that show. Like, Oh, talking about Sasha Banks's comeback. Everyone. Speaking of women's wrestlers, uh, and also we mentioned uh, Japan before too, Avery debuting in Japan this Sunday? Yes, she is. She's wrestling Momo Watanbe. I probably got that wrong. Uh, probably. In stardom for the five-star Grand Prix, which is massive, massive for Avery. Yeah, this is this is a super big deal for Avery and female wrestlers in Australia. Hopefully it opens the door. You know, for more women going over to Japan, you know, because that the training you can get there is gonna, you know, three weeks of training there could be th- worth three months. The ladies she's gonna get in the ring with, um, plus you like Robbie Eagles, you know, just did just doing what he's doing this year. <laughs> this is the equivalent. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but it's not getting quite the attention. Yeah, the, you know, obviously stardom is very niche, but. Yeah, in the eyes of the fans, it is the equivalent. Speaking of great Aussie wrestlers around at the moment, Buddy Murphy, isn't he's a star rising at the moment? Yeah, he's involved in probably the biggest storyline on SmackDown, and he had a match today with Roman Reigns um, that, in my opinion, would be close to the best TV match of the year, and definitely Roman Reigns' best match he's had since he came back from the cancer, uh, from the leukaemia. Yeah, and yeah, well, you know, you put him in there with the biggest, you, know, you say the biggest name or the you know the the top dog, and you know he's also 
in scenes with Daniel Bryan as well. He's in four he's, segments of a two-hour show. He's mixing it up with you know the best. So you know, selfishly for us being Australian, it's, I'm excited for it. So mm. here's the thing though: for WWE, putting Buddy Murphy in that spot for the first time, I think in a long time, SmackDown number one trending topic in Australia. Yep. Um, and on top of that, I know that uh, Roman Reigns sent a really complimentary tweet about Buddy. Yep. After the match, which was good to see, and I think um, I think he's arrived. He's not a kept. He's not the best kept secret anymore. Everyone knows about Buddy. And he, how good was that spear? The backflip. He oh, he sold he, the that bump. That's, Amazing. That looked like it was the the best spear that Roman's ever given because yeah. of what Buddy did. But the amount of offense he got in. There were hope spots where I thought, but are they going to let him win this match? Yeah. <laughs> Good mm. storytelling. Uh, King of the Ring, boys. I'm glad to see it's it back. back. Oh, oh, I'm glad. Hopefully, you know, they treat it and use it, whoever they're going to push. Hopefully, Buddy wins it. Oh, that'd be amazing, actually. Mm. That'd be good. King Buddy. Um, <laughs> King Murphy walking around. Oh. Uh, King Ralph, the yeah. movie from the, <laughs> from the 80s was terrible. And finally, before we look into uh, what's coming up this weekend, uh, been some great reports about uh, the Mike Quackenbush seminar at PWA. It was just great to see fo- some photos come out and see like the wrestlers from all around Australia that have, as Gavin McGavin said earlier, converged on Sydney to take this opportunity. I noticed um, I only saw three from Melbourne, and that's the, just because there's a lot of backs to me, so I couldn't see everybody. But I noticed that Atlas Whitaker was there. Um, Royce Chambers was there and uh, JJ Ferno, who's also from PCW, one of the young wrestlers from PCW. They've made the trip up. Apologies to anyone I've missed, but um, sitting in the room with the likes of Matty Wahlberg, you know, just listening to one of the best minds of the business. Yeah. And I think that photo was from a, a lunchtime at, at a, on a Wednesday. So, you know, yeah. people are really sacrificing to get this this knowledge, which is great, and obviously that's going to flow on to the wrestling fans. Well, I know Maddie said that he went to um, every session last time my, um, Mike was in in Sydney, and he was planning on if he ever got the other opportunity to do it again. And there he was sitting in the classroom. How good in his is brat pack that? shirt. <laughs> How good is that? Upcoming shows, folks, right around Australia. Friday, August the sixteenth, EPW School has a showcase featuring uh, Marcus Pitt there. So we spoke about that a little bit earlier on with Gavin McGavin. Make sure you get out and have a look at that. Saturday, August the 17th, PCW in Fertree Gully presents their Ignition show, Tasmanian Championship Wrestling. Presents Vertigo in Launceston and GCW Revolution takes place in Geelong West. Sunday, August the 18th, PWA Green Label presents Quack to the Future with Mike Quackenbush in action. This will stream live on Ovo Play. That's a fantastic get for them. I will be watching. Yes, definitely. If you're promoting a show, please get in touch with us too and we'll uh, give it a shout out. We are trying to do our best to go through all the websites and find out what's coming up, but we can't cover everything. Well, so, I, forget, I just forget to look sometimes. Yeah, sometimes you do. Sometimes you get, he leaves old ones on there. So time. jump on our Facebook page and, uh, and let us know. We're more than happy to promote it here on probably what we believe might be Australia's biggest and best well, podcast. <laughs> We 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 um we're very happy we with that. Thank you, everyone, too, who tuned in and uh, listened to last week's show with our special guest. I'm sure we mentioned Love that. Boy. Didn't we mention that in the intro? Did we? Oh, we'll mention it again at the end. 
<laughs> you know I don't listen Book to the show. the show, well done. You know too. I don't listen to the show. Uh, <laughs> if you have an idea for a podcast, contact my podcast house or on the turnbuckle through our Facebook page and we'll help you get it on air. There is no doubting that. Tune in next week. We'll be joined by someone. Just yeah, I'm not sure. sure who it is yet. Uh, two, uh, two in the work, so we'll see. We'll either have one of them or both of them. We'll catch you then right here on mypodcasthouse.com. Thanks for joining us.